What's going on, NFL football fans? This is the NFL All 32 podcast presented by Football Game Plan and the Connecticut School of Broadcasting. David Hassagan here with the star of the playbook, Emery Hunt, Alex Marinoni, and the return of Troy Anthony. Gentlemen, good morning. What's going on? What's up? What's up? Troy, we missed you. Oh, we missed Where Where were you last week? We had such a heated debate that we were ready to have with you, and yet you decided to walk away. Yeah, mm. I heard. And I, it hurts that I wasn't here for that <laughs> one. That would have been interesting. <laughs> it would have been very interesting. Folks, again, if you want to listen back on any of the other previous podcasts for all of our shenanigans and and whatever else you want to call them, you can go to SoundCloud or iTunes, and you can listen back on the podcast there and anything else from Football Game Plan. Make sure you subscribe while you are there. We are going to talk about Week 15, the week that was more spots locked off in the NFL playoffs. We're going to talk about the most improved player that we've seen from 2019, which coach should be off the hot seat, not on it. Usually we're talking about the other way around. We're going to say which coach should be off the hot seat. And the final debate after his final home start, is Eli Manning a Hall of Fame quarterback? We'll get into all of that on the podcast here, but let's start with Week 15, and we'll start with Thursday night. Baltimore Ravens taking on the New York Jets. Jets did not look terrible in this game, Emery. Baltimore, though, just continues to roll along. They win 42-21. Still some glimmers of hope, though, for New York. Yeah, but unfortunately, according to people on Twitter, what the Ravens doing is, you know, will be figured out next year because oh, yeah, completely. They, they won't change, but everybody around them will change and figure out what they're doing, but they'll stay the same. So, uh, <laughs> and this running thing from Lamar Jackson won't last, but if no. you take all of, it, all of those rushing, all 1,103 of his rushing yards away, he's still the NFL's leader in touchdown passes. I know that the hate has to burn slow inside those folks. <laughs> oh, absolutely. The fact that they he is to. leading the league in touchdown passes. And the fact that Lamar Jackson has more rushing yards this season than Tom Brady has in his career. No, 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 no. Who has more touchdown passes this year than Lamar Jackson? Let's let's focus on that. And that would be that would be zero. Exactly. That would be zero. But so we'll just say he's better all around. Moving on to Sunday now, Seahawks taking on the Panthers. On paper, this one should have been over by halftime. But Carolina showing a lot of fight in this game. But it is Seattle who gets the victory, thirty to twenty-four. They clinch a playoff spot. Huge win for Seattle. Big ups to Russell Wilson, continuing to do Russell Wilson things, getting it done. Two touchdowns through the air. Uh, Kyle Allen on the other side continues his streak of throwing interceptions, has three of them in this one. Another year, another New England Patriots controversy uh, during the week. It's still being sorted out, so we won't talk about that on the podcast until all the facts have become available, although the video is available if you want to check it out on Twitter. They didn't need the help to beat the Cincinnati Bengals, though, 34-13. Patriots clinched their 11th straight playoff appearance. Yeah, this was a close one at the half, and then uh, Andy Dalton just kind of fell into this, I don't even know, this funk where he just decided to throw the ball to the Patriots instead of Tyler Boyd and company. But uh, four interceptions in the second half, couple in return for six, and uh, ended up being a laugher in the end. Delusions of grandeur, I think. I, I want to be a Patriot here. <laughs> oh, crap. And moving on to the next one now, Tampa Bay taking on Detroit. The Jameis Winston Show on the road in Motown, and yet... Back-to-back 400-yard-plus games for Jameis Winston. He throws for four touchdowns. The Bucks win 38-17, and they are now at 500. 30 touchdown passes is a single-season high for Tampa Bay uh, Buccaneers history. And the stats you mentioned before you let in was the first time in NFL history any player has ever done that. So shout-out to Jameis Winston just out there leading his ass off and has the Bucks <laughs> at 7-7. Seven seven. It's either sink or swim, and right now he's swimming. But you know who's sinking? The Detroit Lions. Oh, yeah. This is back-to-back years for, uh, you know, the fact that they brought in Matt Patricia and got rid of Jim Caldwell. 
because they were they were tired of going nine and seven to the playoffs, and now they back to back losing seasons. Uh, might not have been a great move on that one. Staying in that division, by the way, the Packers taking on the Bears. This was a defensive struggle, really tight one. Chicago nearly pulls the miracle at the end with a whole bunch of laterals, but it's Green Bay who gets the win, 21-13. of They've won 10 of the last 12 against Chicago at Lambeau Field. Yeah, that last play was wild. To think <laughs> If he would have just pitched it to Allen Robinson. He's from Princeton. He should know better. He should he know when to throw. If he would have just pitched it to Allen Robinson, that, that would have been a crazy ending. But earth to Nagy, earth to Nagy, you will never win with Mitch Trubisky throwing the ball 53 times <laughs> in any situation, in any game. Having Trubisky throw the ball that many times equals losing. To be fair, Trubisky did have some decent throws in that one, but he should not be throwing that many times because you're only opening up for failure. Quietly, they could have won that game if homeboy uh, Horsehead pitched the ball to Roberts. He That's, what I'm, saying. That's what I'm I saying. Know. He's from Princeton. He should know this. He should go through the calculations and think, no, the probability is pitch. Move. Now we on to the next one. It was a winter wonderland in Kansas City. There was a blizzard. Players were it, – it's just been a rough couple of weeks for the Chiefs. First, their their gear gets left on a plane and goes to New York, and they have to get it back for an emergency. Now players are showing up late to games because of snowstorms. Chiefs have got to work something out, but they got the win 23-3. Yeah, it took care of business at the in, uh, in Arrowhead. And um, one concerning thing, though, is that this running game. It's very inconsistent right now. Yeah. They don't seem to have a guy. They're trying to do the committee approach, and it's just – not really producing, but Patrick Mahomes, 340 yards and two touchdowns in that blizzard, and Drew Locke coming back down to earth, looking like a rookie in this one, 203 yards and in interception, but maybe a little uh, snow affected him. Yeah, tough condition to be sure, and Travis Kelsey, 1,000 receiving yards for the fourth consecutive season. Very impressive from the tight end. Giants taking on the Dolphins, it was, it was a moment of uh, a little bit of reflection, maybe the realization that Eli Manning's career is coming to an end. He gets his last home start. And he dominates 36-20. to 20. Giants defeat the Dolphins. Emory, you were at this game. What stood out for you? I was impressed with the Giants' youth in the secondary. You look at Julian Love, two TFLs, was in on a lot of plays, run defense-wise, rookie. You also look at uh, DeAndre Baker playing well in one-on-one coverage. You also look at Corey Ballantyne getting the start as well. And you can essentially count Sam Bill as a rookie as well, playing his first full season. It was a supplemental draft pick last year. They went with four rookies essentially back there in the secondary. Plus, I like their little NASCAR package. Alvin yep. Thomason did well versus the run. And when I'm talking about the NASCAR package, you're talking about Leonard Williams. You're talking about uh, Marcus Golden. O'Shane Zimenez was out there in addition to Carter. That gave the Dolphins problems. So you start to see some progress from um, the Giants. But you also saw for both teams specifically what they need in the draft. For the Giants, to me, it was clear inside linebacker. <coughs> For Miami, running back, uh, they need a pass rusher. Yeah. So you saw specifically glaring needs for both teams. But I thought it was a, a entertaining game considering it was between the Giants and the Dolphins in their record. Moving on to the what was probably the biggest game in terms of playoff implications, Houston taking on Tennessee. This was a huge one, tied for the top of the division. Exact same record. This was a good ball game, but Houston gets a huge win, 24-21. And it is not over yet. These two teams still have to play each other one more time. 
but Houston now in the driver's seat. Definitely was a good game. I, this, Like you said, this was probably the game of the week, especially for playoff implications. Deshaun Watson balled out, did have two turnovers. Ryan Tannehill continues to ball out. My story of this one is A.J. Brown once again puts up another 100-yard game. This is a young receiver who the Titans haven't had any receivers for years. Yep. Now they have someone with Tannehill as hot as he is. The, the rematch in the few weeks between these two teams will decide this division. Speaking of a division matchup with huge implications, Philadelphia in Washington to take on the Redskins. Philadelphia is doing everything in their power to try to put themselves in losing positions to win ballgames down the stretch. But they got over the hump with a brilliant final drive. Carson Wentz leads this team to a 37-27 win. Philadelphia is trying to stay in this division. They're not 500. Yeah, big props here, too, to uh, Miles Sanders, who ran for 122 True. yards, was effective in the passing game. Uh, six catches for 50 yards. I think three total, two total touchdowns in the game um, against the Redskins defense. It's really stepped up over the last couple of weeks, holding Aaron Rodgers and company at bay. Um, and they had a chance to win this game. And big props to Dwayne Haskins and company and T and McLaurin. The two of them look like they could be the future there in Washington. But the Eagles get the job done, like you said at the end. Adelaide scored to make it a 10-point win, but this was really just a three-point victory. And shout out to Sanders too. He sets the Philadelphia Eagles rookie record for yards from scrimmage in a season. Moving on to the desert now, Cardinals taking on the Browns. Arizona has shown some flashes, but moving Drake into that backfield has been huge for them. And for Cleveland, it's another losing season, folks. 38-24 to Arizona. The Browns will be the only team to not have a single winning record this decade. The misery continues in Cleveland. Well, unfortunately, it's a situation where you look on paper and you expect this team to average 38 points a game, but that hasn't been the case. The good news is that they are not losing uh, – they're not winning three games or less in a season, so I guess that's progress. But they should be way better than what they are. But shout-out to the Cardinals getting an explosive win. You saw big plays from Kyle Murray. I thought this was a game where Murray actually played with much more decisiveness in running the ball, throwing the ball, didn't look hesitant as far as taking off, was actually in on a, a mm. nice tackle – uh, and, you know, down the sideline against a linebacker where he kind of flew in there and kind of took his legs out. So I thought I saw a tougher game from Kyle Murray today. Last game at the Oakland Coliseum for the Raiders taking on the Jaguars. Could have gone a little bit better. This is a Raiders team that midway through the season we thought might be a wild card contender. Hasn't come to pass. They get, again, another blown call by the refs. That loses them a game. Jaguars win 20-16. to Yeah, stinks that once again the refs helped decide a game in this one and then Derek Carr gets booed off the field when it really wasn't even his fault no. but like you said a couple weeks ago the Raiders were right there in contention not only for the wild card but this division they were only about a game behind the Chiefs before that matchup and now they're sitting here two games below 500 exactly and we move now on to a team that we thought was dead and buried all of a sudden they showed some life this past week the Dallas Cowboys they went 44-21 they dominate the L.A. Rams. Uh, Jason Witten with another big day, his 72nd career reception touchdown. That's second most in franchise history. This Cowboys team now has a little bit of momentum going into a huge showdown with the Eagles this week. Yeah, if there's any team that needed this type of game, it was the Cowboys coming up with the Eagles um, next week for the division. Uh, Big-time performance. Uh, the Rams have been playing well as of late. Uh, they were able to get the running game going with Gurley, and the Cowboys defense made it a point to stop that, holding Gurley to, I believe, just 20 yards on the day. Um, does get two scores, but it was really because Goff had to lead him up the field. But Goff, 
that was probably the only two times you saw golf really lead the team up the field. The Cowboys were just all over the field on both sides of the ball. Moving now to San Francisco in a game where, again, the refs were involved. Is there anyone who's gotten more bad beats this year than the San Francisco 49ers? Not one, not two, but three last-second losses this season. Two back-to-back plays, both missed by the officials, both overturned by a replay, and the Falcons get a huge win, 29-22. They're playing for Dan Quinn very, very hard. But a big loss for San Francisco as they now drop to the number five seed in the playoffs. I'll tell you who's had mad bo- more bad beats. My pockets when it comes to some of these teams losing. The way they lose and are the last team of my parlay, I've had more bad beats. But I will say this uh, in that respect. The Falcons beat the 49ers twice on that last drive because that was a touchdown. No one talked about. The ball has been to his foot. That's bingo. A That's what I'm yeah. saying. That's why. Why is Dean Blandino in there? He's never been a ref. Like, what is he? He's never. Rules expert. Exactly. Like, clearly it was off his foot. And then the last one was an obvious touchdown because of breaking the plane. So, shout out to the Falcons offense. And even Matt Ryan, uh, who's now trending toward America's quarterback with how he's scrambling. And, like, so <laughs> he's, he's fighting Jameis Winston for that America's quarterback title. I like what I saw from uh, the Falcons yesterday. Cross the plane. <laughs> Moving on to the next game here, Minnesota taking on the Chargers. Another team that has to keep momentum is Minnesota. They're right on that edge of either winning a division or getting a wild card spot, and they showed up big time, 39-10. The question is, how severely injured is Dalvin Cook? Uh, yes, that is a good question, but they have other running backs who can step in and carry the load. Check out Mike Boone co- hopping on scene, 13 carries, 56 yards, and toting the rock two times into the end zone. So, obviously, Dalvin Cook is a huge, huge, huge factor in that offense. But if Kirk Cousins can pick up his game again like he did earlier in the season, they have other guys that can supplement Cook, the Vikings still may be able to hold straight and continue on to possibly a division a title. And moving on to Sunday night football, we expected a defensive struggle between Buffalo and Pittsburgh, and that is exactly what we got. We had picks, we had fumbles, we had nobody converting on third down. Buffalo gets the win 17-10. to They're going to the playoffs, a 17-year drought for them. It's been a long time coming. Yeah, good for Buffalo getting this win. Um, the story here was Devlin Hodges' four interceptions. Uh, Buffalo's defense really stepped up, but Hodges was the first time you saw him uh, kind of look like that young rookie guy without the uh, without all the experience yep. his first sort uh, sort of adversity on the season um, he's been playing safe football all year big reason why he's starting over Mason Rudolph is because he hasn't been turning the ball over and given his defense a chance to win them games and in this one it just was too much Buffalo too much Buffalo all the time and Bill's Mafia will be going to the postseason so hide your tables uh, anyone <laughs> else have anyone else have anything that uh, stood out to them this past week that we want to mention here before we move on to our main topics I think you, you start to see how people progress. I asked um, Coach Sherman this in a press conference. You talk about Nick Gates, the guard, the right guard. They've been playing him at tackle. Um, he steps in right guard because Zeitler was out. You saw him have a dominant day spearheading the run game for Saquon Barkley and company. Uh, you also saw the development of these young corners and defensive backs now playing significant roles. And then you see – uh, down in Washington, a young developing quarterback just getting better with every opportunity. So I like seeing rookies continue to play, continue to grow, and for fans to understand that it's not, you know, final after one game or one bad performance. And we're probably going to see another QB change uh, in Carolina with Will Greer 
playing yep. soon. So, uh, and he has an opportunity to improve over what we saw from him in the preseason, which probably is why Kyle Allen got the start for the majority of the season as opposed yeah. to their rookie second-round pick. By the way, I, we were talking about quarterbacks real quick. Remember how we were saying how many quarterbacks have played or started this year? I did the math. 66 quarterbacks have attempted to pass this season, and 53 have gotten a start this nice. year. Wow. That is insane. Anyway, Troy, uh, Alex, what do you got for in terms of what stood out to you this week? For me, it was uh, Troy brought it up a little bit in his, uh, his recap here, but with the Raiders um, – Raiders fan base. I thought that was the most classless um, act I, I've seen. This is a, a city and a fan base that has been getting defended by the NFL community and by you know fans all around knowing how loyal they are. Um, and to boo Derek Carr and to throw trash on the field, to be have people escorted off the field by police with fights and whatever other nonsense that was going on. They had to have the media leave the field for their safety um, after a game that they, they lose. And they get screwed on. I mean, the refs literally made the wrong call, and it was an unchallengeable call. Everyone in the stadium knew it. Everyone who was watching at home knew it. Um, and to boo your quarterback, who's done nothing but talk about how he's wanted to stay in Oakland, how he wants the team to be part of the uh, uh, Oakland community for you know for its future and every you know, um, yeah. just just the appreciation that Derek Carr has had for that city and taking it in, and for him to boo him and um, for something that he didn't even do. Uh, you know, lose that game and just in general for everything. I just thought that was just a very classless way to go out. Oakland's very Oakland's a very different place. It's a, it's a very different community there. And obviously they're still angry about losing their team to Las Vegas, right. but there's there's a right way to end a, you know, end a legacy in that city and that wasn't it. You made sure. it you made it seem easy and you made Goodell look and everyone else who made those decisions like seem like the right guy and uh it was the right decision by pulling him out with that type of, you know. Which actions. is hard to do. To make Goodell look like a genius <laughs> yeah, is very, very exactly. difficult. <laughs> Troy? For me, it was it's grind time right now, right? Week 14 in the NFL. Um, this is where you're going to set, your stu- set yourself uh, apart from the rest of the pack. You have all these young guys who are progressing like crazy, the second- and third-year guys. You, you work through the season, but now is where you really – have to hit grind time and there's a number of guys you got the the wide receiver out of philly um grant greg greg ward 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 had an amazing day yeah you got aj brown like i said busting on scene again you got Cortland sutton busting on the scene again and it if you if you are a fan of football you're loving it right now yeah. seeing all these different guys stepping up and actually making a name for themselves and if you're a fan of a certain team right now you've got a major ulcer developing and uh, a couple of headaches as well as the playoffs get to the end. But it's a good thing you brought that up, guys that are stepping up. And it's not just one game or a couple of games. There have been a lot of guys that have really stepped up their game all year. And we always talk about you know, all the big awards, the MVPs, uh, your offensive, defensive players of the year, you know, that sort of thing. But the most improved player is one of those things where it's kind of overlooked, but it's such an important character that you want to have in a football team. So... We wanted to take a little bit of time here and talk about who we think is the most improved player that we've seen from last year or last couple of years. So, Emery, I'll start with you. Who do you have as your most improved player of 2019? Because there's a lot to choose from here. There's definitely a lot to choose from, but I'm going with America's quarterback, James Winston. <laughs> yes. <laughs> what I like about James Winston, man, is the dude just doesn't quit. And last year you're talking about a guy that, you know, got benched. First he was suspended, came in played, you know, played well, but then get got benched, but got his job back. 
uh, as well. 19 touchdowns, 14 interceptions, and, and they were 3-6 and six when he was the starter. And it was kind of that crossroads of his career. And you're looking at this year, same questions with the turnovers, his interception city, uh, multiple four interception, uh, th- uh, three interception games. I'm sorry. I'm looking at it now. It's <laughs> five interceptions in one game. <laughs> four, three, three, two. So you get the idea. But Jameis Winston, uh, everyone knew he had talent. It's just about cutting down the turnovers. And I think he's playing – he has the confidence in his coaching staff. The players now are just – they chalk off the interceptions, chalk off the interceptions, okay, that's just one. you know. And I, I kind of like that approach, although you don't want to see interceptions at all. Yeah. But I, I like this approach to where we're kind of trending toward the CFL approach where interceptions don't necessarily kill you. Because you have two downs in, in the CFL, you get the ball right back, yeah. you know, essentially. So um, it's just when the interceptions occur that can hurt you. Like we're seeing Baker Mayfield throw interceptions inside the red zone. Um, right. But Winston, I've, some of his have gone back for touchdowns, but I just like how he's gotten better, uh, improved, and has this Bucks football team fighting for a winning record, something they hadn't had since he quarterbacked them in 2016. So I think – just by sheer improvement, his yards per attempts is up. Uh, he's leading the league in passing yards. He's uh, second behind uh, MVP Lamar Jackson for touchdown passes in this, you know, this season. So he's gotten better, and yeah. he has two fourth quarter comebacks, two game winning drives. So I think he has improved enough to where we're taking him off the. You know, he's not Marcus Mariota as far as like. You got to get him out of here. I think you're now talking about legitimately signing him either franchise tag or extending him maybe two years to continue to be the quarterback. I think we, we and they're on the four game winning streak. So I think we're seeing the the um, importance of having a coach that believes in a player because yeah. Bruce Arians. I think the turning point was I forget what game it was. Maybe it was a game out in London. Yeah, was London the game. Carolina yeah. game when yeah. he said like, "Hey, three of these five interceptions weren't on Jameis." And from that point on, we've seen Jameis just play with a different level of confidence. Yes, and so yeah. I would say Jameis Winston is the most improved player in this game. I mean, in in, in the league, from my opinion. What do you What do you think, Troy? I mean, it's certainly a good argument for Winston. Oh, one hundred percent. What do you got? My most improved player. I'm gonna have to give to Derrick Henry. Yeah. Because he, yeah. when he first came into the league in 2016, he had 490 yards rushing. The Heisman Trophy winner out of Alabama. You expect a little bit more out of that. His second year in the league, 744 yards. Okay, he's progressing. Now, last season, through the first 12 weeks, he had about 400 yards rushing. You're thinking, okay, maybe he's not what we all thought he was supposed to be. Um, right? I Personally, I wrote him off. I didn't think yeah. that he could handle the workload of the NFL being a big back. I thought that's what he was. I thought he was going to be another Ron Dane pretty much Mm. Heisman trophy winner, amazing college career coming to the league and just not being able to get done. But at the end of last season in the last four games, he rushed for over 500 yards and over seven touchdowns. And he brought that into this season and the the progression he made, in those five games, he brought that into this season, and he's 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 a monster so far this season, rushing for over thirteen hundred yards so far, thirteen touchdowns. His his progression right now is is next level. It's right where it should be, and he's a household name right now. Well, we got a quarterback, we got a running back, 
Alex, what do you got? I'm going to go wide receiver on you. And I'm gonna there go, we go. I'm going to go Cortland Sutton here. Cortland okay. Sutton last year looked like a player that was a nice player, could be a nice complimentary piece as a wide receiver. Right. The way he's looking right now, he looks like a bona fide number one wide receiver in mm. this league. This guy threw 14 games already. He's over the 1,000-yard clip. He's got 63 receptions and six touchdowns. Mind you, his quarterbacks this year have been Joe Flacco, have been <laughs> Drew Locke, who yeah. has played well. Last week was not, but two week, the, his first two weeks were fine, yeah. and Brandon Allen. I mean, he's not playing with household names at quarterback, no. and he's already eclipsed 1,000 yards. He's 300 more yards over last year um, through two less games. He's two more touchdowns over, 21 more receptions. He's uh, he's taken over that uh, receiving core and looks like a guy that you can now build around. Exactly. I mean, that's for sure. For mine, we've got quarterback, running back, wide receiver. I'm going to go defense. I'm going to go defense with mine. I think Ryan Tannehill could be up for this conversation, but just – from a confidence standpoint, he looks like a totally different quarterback than his last few years in Miami. But I'm going to go T.J. Watt. Now, when you look at T.J. Watt's numbers the last year, pretty good numbers. But as we all know with a defense, it's about what else can you do. And T.J. Watt this year has picked off two passes. He's forced six fumbles. He's got seven pass deflections, but still putting up 13 sacks and has put 31 hits on the quarterback with 14 tackles for loss. He has gone from just a, okay, he's a solid, just linebacker, to he is a defender. He is all over the field. He does anything you need him to do in terms of that defense. He is. There's a reason this Pittsburgh defense is like the way he is, and he's a major, major part of it. So that's why I'm going with T.J. Watt, just to give it a little bit of a different perspective because the, the, the defensive players individually never get, they never get the love, especially in fantasy. It's just, oh, you just pick a team defense. You don't get the individual defense, but T.J. Watt's right up there for me. Brian Tannehill, somebody brought him up, right? I just meant I mentioned his name. I didn't. I I didn't. Want but to break he definitely him down. deserves to be on this list too. Oh yeah, yeah. Because because his last his first four years he was incredible. He was throwing for four thousand yards. I wouldn't say incredible. Well, because incredible would have kept him in Miami. <laughs> four thousand yards is still pretty good. I'm saying I, I said his first four. His last two were garbage. His last two years in Miami were awful. I mean, there's a number of players that you can make the list. I mean, Chris Godwin going from he was number two last he was number two last season at Tampa Bay now he's second in the league this year in receiving Shaquille Barrett who wasn't yeah. a big name led the league in in sacks for mo, uh, for most of this season he has 16 and a half sacks we can go on and on with most improved players yeah, yeah. we can't we can't we can't yeah it's, it's it's gonna be one where and we still got guys that are making impact we got only two weeks left in the regular season that's the crazy thing about this so now the question is, especially for guys that are on contract years, hey, by the way, you see what I did this year? <laughs> yeah, you can, you can sign me to more money now. Speaking of guys that, you know, have talked about, you know, we talk about, you know, people playing for jobs or paying for paychecks. Let's talk about coaches because all the talk we usually have is, all right, this, is this coach on the hot seat? You know, is he going to get fired? And you could make a case for a lot of coaches this year who have had rough seasons. I mean, their teams have been just flat out bad. You could talk about Cleveland. You can talk about Detroit. You could talk about Washington. But there are some co coaches where that maybe isn't the real deal. So I, I'll just open this up to the floor. If we're talking about a coach that should be taken off the hot seat that right now is considered on it, who do we go for? I think, for me, number one is Dan Quinn. Yeah, that's pretty, I, I think, think that's you, a consensus around the room. you got to take him out the, off the hot seat completely because – we talked about this. We joked about it. That bye week, whatever happened in that bye week in the reshuffling around the coaches, uh, <laughs> the crab bag of coaches, which was ridiculed when it happened. But it it worked. Yeah. And they've been defensively competitive in every game. The offense has dealt with their injuries, but 
Chris Lindstrom is balling, a rookie right guard out of uh, Boston College. Uh, Matt Ryan is is doing Matt Ryan things. The run game is still questionable, but their passing game with Julio Jones, they're a good team. Defensively, they've gotten better. Dan Quinn seems to strike the right chord. And let's not forget, what, two or three years ago, they were in the Super Bowl. So it's not like he doesn't know how to coach. Yeah. You see the same things going on in Philly, how they're trashing Doug Peterson. Mm-hmm. They went to the Super Bowl and they won the Super Bowl. So I think when you look at Dan Quinn, what they've done shows his coaching chops outside of the – after the the bye week. Yeah. You keep him and you take him off that hot seat. I, yeah, I, th- yeah. I, I think Doug Peterson, I think I think it's ridiculous because being – I'm a Phillies fan for baseball. So going down to games and always listening to, oh, yeah, we like Donovan McNabb. We loved him, but he didn't get us a Super Bowl. Oh, we loved – you know, we loved Andy Reid, but he never got us a Super Bowl. You finally got the guy who brought you a Super Bowl <laughs> title, and no, he has to be gone now. Trying like, to run him out already. Typical Philly fans. Anyway, Troy, you were saying. Dan Quinn is he's – a, he's a special case because – he was put onto the hot seat very fast. Right. And it's just like two, two or three weeks later, it's like, okay, now let's take him back off. But for my hot seat, um, Adam Gase, I think that he needs to be taken <laughs> off. And I know that's going to strike. Here we some, go. It's going to strike some chords over there. <laughs> but the fact of the matter is, the Jets started off very poorly. And this was with the whole mono situation with Darnold and everything else. Right. They are where they are now. But. Who knows? If Darnold was there for those few games, your record could be completely different. We see, I, I well, I see a lot of potential in what can be there for this New York Jets team. They ripped off a couple of wins in a row. Yes, they just got demolished by the Ravens, but, but this Ravens is. is in a whole, yeah, exactly. This yeah. Ravens team is in a whole new, a whole different ball club than a lot of franchises in this league. You see the potential there. That's why Quinn ha- uh, Gase has to be taken off of the hot seat. To, to Alex for for rebuttal from the Fire Adam Gase Club, please hear your response. <laughs> he, no, he's right. He should be taken off the hot seat because he shouldn't have a seat. He should have been gone <laughs> earlier on. But that's that's I mean, completely he, he has had different. Some injuries, he has had some injuries that he's dealt with on the defensive no, side he, of the ball too. He has. The, the, what's concerning about it is when you look at what Tomlin has been able to do, and I know what he's doing is almost like miracle like. So it's like. It's tough to compare that way, but when you see what he's able to do and what all these – we've mentioned 66 quarterbacks have thrown a pass, 53 of them differently have started. Yeah. And we were talking earlier, um, you know, you see some of these backup quarterbacks able to actually look like a real NFL team, and then you see Adam Gase, what he was able to do, and they looked they looked like a JV team. That's my problem. I know you're not comparing Tomlin to Adam Gase right now. There are two coaches in the Listen. NFL that I put on an A level, and that's – Belichick and Tomlin. Every other coach aren't close. Is not close. Well, hold on. I'm not saying he had to go eight and five, but he had to look like an NFL team, and that's my issue. The Jets looked like you, the Jets went into those games, and there was absolutely no <laughs> shot of winning the game. They had they didn't cross the 50 yard line in like three of them. Like that's think do something. Like I'm not saying you had to go out and beat these teams. Tomlin, that's why I said what Tomlin's doing is like a miracle work because the dude's still in the playoff hunt. I mean, are they still considered the sixth seed after that loss? Like, they're still right there. The Jets were out of it after week five. As much as they like to say mathematically they weren't, they were. They were. Anyway, any coach that you're taking off the hot seat? Or? I, mine was Dan Quinn, but Emery did it so eloquently. So, uh, yeah. <laughs> he's, he's, he's the show thief. We all yeah, know that. Yeah, exactly. He does the benefit of sitting where you are because yeah, you get to go say. first. you gotta start. You got to start going to the right sometimes. Yeah, 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 yeah exactly. But, uh, no, um, yeah, there's none really that I would take off the hot seat. I think Shermer, in my opinion, Gase, as we just said, and uh, a couple of others that are that are there. Um, I don't know. I mean, I know in ja- Jacksonville, uh, Marone, he, he's, he should stay there. I don't think there's really anybody that you could 
say can you could talk off right now because no other team looks like they've been really playing for their coach. I guess the only other one is if Vic Fangio is on the hot seat over there in Denver. I think he's somebody that the team looks like they're playing for him, um, and he's got the young quarterback as well over there. So uh, he's somebody that could come off. But if he is there, I, but I don't think there's as much heat there as there is, yeah, you know, with these yeah. New York teams and whatnot. I, I would. I guess you can make a case for um, Freddie Kitchens. You can, I think you can make a case to take him off the hot seat because first-year coach, I hate to hire the firings of first-year coaches. I wouldn't, take, I wouldn't put him on the hot seat. Maybe the media, all of us included, probably thought way too much of mm-hmm. the Browns, um, but it's hard not to when you look at what they have on the roster. But I would I would take him off the hot seat because I would at least see this thing through. I would probably would take Shermer off the hot seat too. Yeah, Shermer I don't think can really I mean with a rookie quarterback, you know, rebuilding that franchise, I don't think you can really do that. I'm gonna play devil's advocate here. And I'm gonna say Jason Garrett should be taken off the hot seat. Because of one win? No, not because of one win, but because he works for the most egotistical man in all of sports. I, it is impossible. To work for Jerry Jones without crediting Jerry Jones for everything that happens. If he breathes, he has to thank Jerry Jones for allowing him the oxygen to take a breath. Like, that's where we're at with Jason Garrett. He's put together some good years. He's still competing for a division. Granted, the division is really, really bad. I mean, disgustingly bad. But you really cannot put this all on Jason Garrett. You cannot do that because as long as Jerry Jones is the owner of this team... There will be no coach that will be good enough for this Cowboys franchise, ever. So, Jason Garrett, I know you're probably going to be fired at the end of this year. You don't deserve it, honestly. I can't, I can't get behind that one. <laughs> there's, 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 there's too much talent on that team. Way too much talent on that team. I'm just saying, would you want to work for Jerry Jones? Absolutely not. There we go. <laughs> no, I would not want to work with Jerry Jones, but with the roster that I have, it would work. But not with Jerry Jones calling the plays for you, probably. I don't know, man. It, it, it's a ridiculousness. Anyway, let's stay in that division, though. We're going to start, Troy, with you, because this is going to be a very, very hard subject for you, I'm sure. I don't think it is. I think it's going to be pretty easy, but go ahead. Eli Manning, with his final home start, <laughs> uh, happened this past week against the Redskins. He gets the win in his final home start. The questions will now start coming. The, the handwriting is basically on the wall. This will probably be his final season. It's been an incredible career for him. He started in 2004, uh, has basically been the everyday starter from 2005 till last year for Eli Manning. The question now is, is he a Hall of Fame quarterback? Because the numbers say he is, but at the same time, the numbers say he isn't. So I want want to get your take on this. I mean, the only number that really says he isn't is his overall record. It's 117 and 117. There There are quarterbacks in the Hall of Fame with that have losing records or 500 records now every other statistical category almost every other statistical category he's gonna he's finished top 10 he's gonna be top 10 um i believe he's number seven in total passing yards he's number seven in total passing touchdowns he was an iron man he oh he almost played in every single game that he was active for time out time out i'm gonna let you continue your rant but how does what does iron man I'm just throwing. Dude, it I'm in just there. saying, what, what, like, what status that? 
I'm just throwing it okay, in there. I, can't, I, can't I just want to know how you. I mean, when we talk about is that other games played or games started, I believe is what you're referring when to. When we're there. talking about other ones, Does you, you got names touchdown? like Brett Favre and Peyton Manning. Like, he's he's in that company. Okay, he's in that. I just company. want that in, I, in regards to that. Just want I, I, Iron Man. I just, I'm trying to find that on Pro Football Reference. Go ahead. Oh my goodness! <laughs> Here we go. Yes, Eli Manning is a Hall of Famer. That's it. That's your. That's your. That's well, you. You messed up my flow. Like that. You. You messed me up, man. Bro, I think I like that. Going. Yeah, you messed it's me up. It's like yo, what the? Why you, I, cut, you cut me off. You cut I, me I off. just wanted. To, I just. I was asking what the people were wanting to ask. I you did threw just, off my mojo, man. I, I wanted no clarification. You threw off my mojo. I'm man. just trying to figure out, like you know, like you say Iron Man. I'm trying to figure out, find a stat on. I think you, you know. Pull, what's his Iron Man? Ra- what's his Iron Man rating? I'm just you trying to. You threw off my mojo, man. He has two of the most. He, his playoff runs are so, were so iconic. His two playoff yes, runs. Yes, yes. His two playoff runs Out were so iconic. Out of how many playoff runs? Okay, but still. <laughs> okay, but still. You're sounding like me over career, there, man. You're sounding like me over there. His career puts him in the Hall of Fame. All right, let's. let's <laughs> before, while Alex recovers. All right, while Alex Wait, hold, on, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. Before you try and kill me, before you try and slay my whole argument. How you know I don't even agree with you? I hear it in your tone. <laughs> I, I hear you're, you're about to pull up stats and try and come at me. Is Eli a Hall of Famer, Emery? You're about to try and slay me and then be like, yeah, he's still a Hall of Famer. No, no, no. But because because the way you asked, is he a Hall of Famer? And I say yes. He's not. He's not a first ballot, but it no, doesn't matter. I never like said once that. you once I you get in, that. you're in. But the problem I have with Eli Manning um, is, at not one point in his career will we say Eli Manning was the best in the in the league as far as like quarterback play. No. All right, and so playoff is really just. Um, is really just uh, you know the two runs and essentially, I'm gonna say the last run was probably his best run because the first run was essentially that Giants defense doing a great job. Now Eli Manning's signature play was a a fluke hail mary caught on top of his catch. head right, and oh. the play before. Well, you can't even say that it's the fluke hail mary helmet catch. Yes, it is, but to evade that tackle as well. That's true, but they could have blown it. But, right. Yeah. yeah but the play yeah. before, Asante Samuel catches that. <laughs> yeah. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. But, I, but you can't go about the what ifs. It happened. The the throw to Manningham was a dime. The best pass I've seen in, I don't know, be Mike Greenberg. And, I get you. I get you. But it, it was a great freaking pass, right? That and the Roethlisberger throw, I think, in the Super Bowl. Yeah, in the Super Bowl. Yeah. No, no. That, I do not compare the two. That was a yes, great it, play by Holmes. That was a good <gasps> throw by Roethlisberger. See, they did the sports science. It was like a 1.1% <laughs> 1. chance of throw. touching his hands. It was a good throw by uh, Roethlisberger. The blasphemy. The blasphemy coming out of your mouth. <laughs> I can't. Uh, hold on. But I think those two plays uh, were – Ideal. I'm responding to something. That's why. Um, it made, it, but it no, made the, him a legend. It made right, him those two. Yeah. Those two. That passed to. But the point is, when you look at Eli Manning over the course of his career, he's not been the best quarterback in the league. He, you know, I know Pro Bowls are a popularity contest, but he's only been to four of them. So they didn't even like him then. Exactly. They didn't even like when his prime. And so in the playoff. Record is eight and four, commendable. Those two four and zero runs to Super Bowls, I get that. But he's been one and done. Um, it's just, I think he's been good. I always look at his career, and I'm and I've asked you this before, uh, Troy. Peyton Manning, or Carson Palmer, who was you putting in? 
Are we talking regular season or postseason? We're talking quarterback play. Who's a better Who's a better quarterback? There it is. I'm taking the sheriff. Carson Palmer. That's his nickname. No, are you Peyton Manning? <laughs> Say, oh, Peyton Manning. Yes, Eli. We're talking. No, about. you said Peyton. I'm sorry. No, Eli, here we go. The okay. shanks are coming out. There we go. Okay. <laughs> of so course, I'm not talking about Eli. You, know <laughs> you said Peyton. You I'm, said I'm, Peyton. I'm talking, I'm talking about Peyton. I made a mistake. Eli Manning or Carson Palmer? I mean, you're going to – I'm taking Eli. Who had the better career? And don't <laughs> say mm-hmm. rings, but who has the – who would you say had the better career? I mean, you can't say – you can't say You can't rings. say – right. You can't take rings out of the equation. True. But who is probably more – who would you say has a better – the majority of people would say was the better Quarterback? quarterback? Carson Palmer. Who had a better career? Carson Palmer probably was like, you know. Who had better weapons? Oh, so it's, all, it's about the weapons now. No, no, no. I'm just asking. I'm just asking. Who had uh, the better weapons? As far as what? Receivers or? Oh, oh, team. Carson Palmer had the better team. Bengals had a good defense. The whole time Palmer was there. They had a better there. team? They had the better defense. No. Normally the better team goes to the Super Bowl. Let me ask you. You're right. You're right. <laughs> Quarterback play. Question. <laughs> Question. They made the they made the Bengals were consistently in the postseason. That makes him good. What did he the do Bengals. in the postseason? That team was better. Did Eli, how many times did Eli have a good defense? A handful, if that. Bro, like the la- we just talked about Ocho Super- Cinco. His we just whole, talked about a Super Bowl run with the. He had Ocho Cinco Alex, almost his whole career. He had Corey Dillon in that backfield. <laughs> what did Eli have? I got soda here if you want. I'm just trying. He, he had a whole bunch of good, re- decent receivers. What movie do you want to watch? I'm more? talking about <laughs> like defense. You said defense. <laughs> got enough time for as the Irishman. As if uh, Strahan <laughs> and Tuck and Yuminyora. Yeah. And mm-hmm. and then they got the Super Bowl. Where are those caliber players on the Bengals defenses? The Bengals had good overall defenses. The you Giants just, had. I just named, the Giants had a good D line. I just named a Hall of Famer. The Giants had a good D line. And two of Giant Hall of Famers. Let me and just he say won this. Super Bowl Let me it. just say this. You both agree that he's a Hall of Famer. You yes. Yes. Yeah, but I, but I'm, it's not as a slam. <laughs> I'm saying it's not as a slam dunk as people have made it out to be because I think people get caught up in the emotion of the. Is he a Hall of Famer or not? But in, like in, what, it's in the mystique of those two plays. Because I could I could also deconstruct Kurt Warner's. Hall of Fame candidacy. Yeah, but Kurt Warner has numbers. <laughs> for, for three years, yes. Yeah, you know what I'm saying? And six years of in- inactiveness. I could also deconstruct what I don't like seeing is John Lynch being a finalist. Like, when has John Lynch ever been, you know, like feared as opposed to. Whoa, John Lynch was feared. Not like Palomalu. Like, you don't game okay. plan for John I, Lynch. I give you that, but you're, you're, you're stacking <laughs> greatness with greatness. I'm not saying Palomalu is not a Hall of Famer. But I'm saying John Lynch is not a Hall of Famer. Just like with Alvin. Eli Manning. I think Eli Manning is not necessarily a slam dunk. He's it's, not a first ballot. He will get in. Because of where he plays. If Eli Manning plays in Cincinnati and he don't win, but he compiles all these all-time the stats. The same numbers? The same numbers. I think without the two without the two Super Bowls, he doesn't get in. That's my point. I feel like Molly on first take. Alex, you got anything to say on this or what the hell is there to say? <laughs> <laughs> We're just sitting here with our feet up, folks. This is fantastic. We are asking questions. No, like, listen. Uh, I I think the problem is with the Hall of Famer, you have to have like more than numbers. I think he's a Hall of Famer, but I don't think he's a first ballot. The problem is like when you compare him to a guy like Peyton Manning, right? His his own brother. When Peyton Manning had a below fifteen defense. He's still a 9, 10, 11 win team, and he was their offense putting up the points. 
when Eli didn't have the supporting cast, they weren't a playoff team. But Eli's top seven in completions, top seven in yards, top five in touchdowns, top in every single major quarterback statistic, and I think that goes a long way. You add in the two Super Bowls, earned the one Super Bowl MVP, that second one, I would say that puts the cherry on top of pushing him into the Hall of Fame. And I believe that if he, I agree with you guys, that if he didn't win those two Super Bowls, he would be like, you know, on the next 50-year one when they like throw yeah, in like... Yeah, Veterans Committee yes, tosses think, him in. I think, oh, we put up the numbers, he's a Manning, blah, blah, blah. But I think uh, the two Super Bowls, I think even just the one Super Bowl and one Super Bowl MVP, he has the stats to um, that he's compiled enough to put him in. But a 500 record... Um, he's not. I don't think he's first ballot, but I think he'll end up being first ballot. But that's not the question. I think he's not first ballot, but I think he's a Hall of Famer. All I know is that he robbed two Super Bowls from the New England Patriots. That makes him Hall of Fame to me. <laughs> my, for my, like for for. Uh, I mean, you look at Matt Ryan. I think Matt Ryan's a Hall of Famer, right? No. You don't think so? Matt wow. Ryan also has an MVP, which Eli Manning does not. Yeah, no, it's kind of tough, right? Kind of overlooked that big thing. When you look at. Um, <laughs> Like, you talk about yards compiled. And the good thing for Eli, I, I, I think when you look at Eli's playing in a passing era, so those numbers are a little bit inflated as far as, like, the passing numbers. But still, it's still a, a hell of an accomplishment. Because you look at a lot of the active guys on this list, Breeze, obviously, Brady, Rivers, Roethlisberger, all of those are no- no-brainers, right, as far as, like, Hall of Famers. Be honest. Like, who out that group, who would you say is not a Hall of Famer? I think they all are. I think the only one that is not a – no, like, the other ones are – all the other ones besides Rivers is first ballot, in my opinion. Rivers couldn't win the big game. I'm I'm, I'm indifferent. I mean, he will make it. He will make it. But first ballot, mm. Roethlisberger, I don't know. <laughs> wow. So, those are oh, guys also in the wow. top – along with Matt Ryan in the top ten. But then wow. you have Rodgers and – Stafford, I think Matt Stafford is more along the lines of Eli Manning without the the Super Bowl MVPs, right? I, I, yeah, I'm just going to bring this up, though. If you don't think Ben Ben is, is a Hall of Famer. No, then, no, he's a Hall of Famer. But he's not a first ballot. So then Frank Gore isn't ballot. one either. That's a different subject. Gore is it, though? Top top five in every category, pretty much. I, first ballot for – Curtis Martin wasn't a first ballot. And Curtis Martin finished top he was five. Four. He, he was, was number four. four when he retired. When he retired. Yeah. So it's – I, I can understand the the Frank Gore non first ballot because you know it's it's he's a Hall of Famer he's getting in second ballot third ballot at the end of the day it don't really matter as long as you're in you right. they can't take yeah. that away from you right. you know but the Eli Manning case is so I think we're seeing and we haven't even we don't get the same vitriol for Eli Manning that a guy like Troy Aikman got. Yeah, you know, and he won what three? Yeah, yeah. And, but they looked at his numbers and was like, "Yo, his numbers was average." But considering the time, but I think when you look at Eli Manning, I would put McNabb in over Eli Manning. I probably would put Boomer Siason in over Eli Manning. I would probably put Ken Anderson in over Eli Manning. Troy, so angry, you shaking over there? No, no, no. <laughs> to me, it's like, it all in. but. Uh, Another player that probably compares favorably to Eli Manning's career, maybe. Um, Drew Bledsoe. Good passer, had over, what, 44,000 yards, got to technically two Super Bowls. Technically. <laughs> you know, 
It, one that we'll give him credit for, yeah. the 97 yeah. one. The other one was, you know, the Tom Brady show. But uh, where where are you on, on Bledsoe compared to Manning? But, again, I think that the, all, all of these names I could throw out, it will always probably come back to he got two Super Bowl rings. Mm-hmm. And, and that's the difference, yeah. Yeah, I, I think that's a consensus. But so does Jim bro. Plunkett. So does Phil Sims. True, true. But it's not. I don't think it's just the Super Bowl rings. A lot of it, people are going to take into consideration the teams that he beat, being the Patriots twice, the 18 and one team, and then the next team in 2011. I, I think the consensus around the room here is that he will get in eventually, but I don't think it will be quick. I might. It, it might be four or five years mm-hmm. before he gets in. But now, see, but how I, you I say? Know, see, I think I think he gets in, and I think he gets in first. Possibly first, second, definitely second or first ballot because he's Eli Manning. He's playing Manning, in New York. And right. he's playing in New York. He, I think I think we all agree that, maybe not all of us agree, but maybe like third, fourth, fifth year, he has the numbers for that. He has the type of career for that. But because he is who he is and where he plays, he will be considered a first ballot. Kind of, I mean, it's a different sport completely, but it's almost the similar approach with Jeter. It's like, yeah. Yeah. you know, I, with I could, that. So I could honestly see a situation where, uh, he doesn't get in first, and obviously he's probably oh, – I shouldn't say obviously, but he's probably going to be the first of the three oh four quarterbacks out of the league. Out of the league, yeah, yeah. yeah. So I can see it being a situation where um, the next time one of those other two quarterbacks is up on the ballot, it's like, okay, let's put them in together. You know what's interesting when you think about it? I'm more high on Rivers going in before Manning uh, than, than anything. Uh, Roethlisberger to me is unquestioned because he actually he's he's consistently been good throughout his. He's had okay. Here's my thing about Roethlisberger. He doesn't play defense, but go ahead. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> he does not play defense. Here's my there's thing about Roethlisberger. Well, he made that he made that big tackle in the Super Bowl though. <laughs> yeah, no, you know, the game that though going into the uh, you talk about uh, against uh, AFC Championship. Yeah, against the Colts. Sorry, AFC Championship. Yeah, yeah. Okay, that was a great tackle. That was a great tackle. It was. It was. Roethlisberger is a very good quarterback. He's a good, great quarterback, mm-hmm. especially out of the 04. He's obviously going to be talked the highest about, but he's always had greatness around him. But but you also you could have greatness around you and still be terrible. You could Baker Mayfield. Baker Mayfield. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. You're right. Exactly. Uh, Steve Bono. You follow up Joe Montana, Steve Young, Elvis Gerback. It's your turn. Those two guys, hey, it's your turn. Step in. It should be a system. 49ers got great talent. Both of those guys stunk. Then Jeff Garcia comes in and does well. It's going to be interesting for sure. I mean, it, it, we got to move along, though, to get to week 16 because we got to talk about potentially Eli Manning's next opponent, but we'll get to them in Man, a second. Eli Manning shouldn't play another game. Because I think he's done. Stay at, stay yeah, at 500. Stay at 500. Because stay at 500. Jeez. Let's get into Week 16. An interesting schedule this week. It always is. No Thursday game, but three Saturday games coming up this week. First one up from Raymond James Stadium. All of a sudden, the 7-7 Buccaneers, they have no chance of making the postseason. They've already been eliminated. They take on Houston, though, who has now got that one-game advantage on Tennessee. But this is not the team to sleep on with the Titans coming up next week for Houston. Yeah, the secondary for uh, for Houston will get a lot of work because James is going to either throw it to you, throw it deep downfield. Everybody's going to get an opportunity in this ball game. So America's quarterback takes his show on the road Saturday, and it's going to be a big game. Should be a lot of points in this one. Well, yeah, whatever that over is, hit it. Uh, yep. Pound it. it. Yep. That's my number one best bet. I just finished typing it up. <laughs> it's hit the over on this game. Absolutely. Let's move now to Foxborough. 
the fact that this game will decide the AFC East. Who saw this coming? Buffalo at 10-4, New England 11-3. They're both going to the playoffs. Now the question is, who will be home for a playoff game? What do we watch for here? Because Buffalo should have beaten New England the first time around. Yeah, and this is another one of these games where the Bills in primetime, spotlight, national television audience can prove a point. We just saw them prove a point against Pittsburgh. We've seen them show up big, and now here's another opportunity. And this one with a lot on the line because, like you said, AFC East is still quietly in play. We know that this Patriots defense against this Buffalo Bills offense is going to be a tight, very tight battle. But how tight is this Bills defense going to hold this Patriots offense? Because the Patriots offense has been struggling a good part of the season. Can the Bills defense capitalize on that? Yeah, with the way the Patriots offense has been struggling, this is a game for Josh Allen to just not make mistakes. Just keep yourself in, uh, get yourself in good field position, give your team a chance, because this is not the same New England team we're used to scoring all those points. Quietly, can we also give Josh Allen credit for probably most improved? Because oh, yeah. he is, oh, yeah. he has been, um, like he's, uh, as much as we talk about Lamar Jackson and how he's winning and how they're winning, they're winning the same way in Buffalo. They're doing things, like he's playing. They're not winning as explosively, but they're still winning the same Complimentary game. football. Yeah. When they needed him to make the throw against the Steelers, down the sideline of John Brown, they made the throw. They end up getting points out of that drive. He makes a touchdown throw on third nine inside the, the red zone, and he controlled that Dallas game. And the entire Dallas game. The entire game. Dallas game, and they were in control in this game earlier in the season before he goes crash I mean, gets hurt. So if he can stay on the field, they're playing solid complimentary football uh, so he has been most improved. He's right now, I think him and Sam Darnold may be tied for QB2 out that uh, 2018 class. Moving on to the most improved team probably of 2019, that's the San Francisco 49ers. 11 wins. As we said, they've lost, all three of their losses have come right at the buzzer, quite literally. They take on the L.A. Rams. This should have been a bigger game than it is. L.A. still has a slight chance of getting in. But now the 49ers have to get a couple wins in the last couple weeks to earn a number one seed again. Man, remind me what Jared Goff is showing up this week so, so, I, can, <laughs> so I can give the right analysis for the game. Yeah. That determines whether or not the Rams are going to get blown out or they're going to be competitive against San Francisco. But I, I can't call Jared Goff. Yeah, this might be um, the greatest leap in NFL history going from – the worst team in the league to arguably the best team in the league in this San Francisco 49ers. Coming off that tough loss this past week against the Falcons, I look for them to bounce back big against this Rams team, but the Rams aren't going to roll over. You know, this is going to be, I think this is going to be a tougher game. You're going to see a more inspired game. Uh, it's a division game, and um, the way the Rams looked against the uh, the Cowboys, they look like they belong, but like you said, the, they're so up and down. You could definitely see them getting hot when they need it the most, and this could come down to the wire. Let's move now into Sunday this game moving into 4 o'clock now. The Lions taking on the Broncos. Two coaches that might be coaching for their jobs in this one. Broncos took a step back last week. Detroit looking for anything positive moving forward. Yeah, Detroit is unfortunately playing without their starting quarterback, starting running back, starting tight end, whom they drafted in the top 10. Um, and they're going up against a team who took the other tight end from that same team in the first round who's having a better season and a quarterback that's having, you know, improved rookie season. He's looking good. So we'll see. This is a big game for the Lions, but even bigger one, I think, for Denver as far as what they're trying to build moving forward. It's going to be a tough one because who's the Lions starting quarterback? We don't even know. Is it Driscoll, is Driscoll going to be back? Is it going to be Blau? Uh, you, you don't know who it's going to be. But 
I think the running game is gonna is gonna fare in this one in the altitude. I mean, you got the Broncos who have a, a stout running game with Freeman and Lindsey, and you get the Lions who week to week you just don't know who's gonna get the tote. Patricia's defense needs to show up if he wants to keep a job. Um, this is you're going against a rookie quarterback. Um, this is going to be possibly harsh conditions. So in Denver, you never know what it's going to be like there, yeah. December, Colorado. So uh, you you were brought here, Patricia, because you were under Bill Belichick, and the defense has struggled. You had your quarterback in Matt Stafford, so you were supposed to shore up that defense so it could play complimentary football, and it just hasn't been there this year. This is a game that he needs to step up down the stretch to keep his job. Into Los Angeles, two teams that have been, to say disappointing, would be a really light way to put it. Chargers taking on the Raiders. Mostly a pride game for this one. How can the Oakland recover after really a tough loss last week? I've never seen a team try to lose a game as much as the Chargers did against <laughs> Minnesota. Like, the ball just kept hitting the ground. It's like, you know, what is going on out there? Uh, but this is a huge game for both teams out west. And uh, it's sad because both teams are in flux as franchises are concerned. Oakland moving to Las Vegas. The Chargers playing in parentheses Los Angeles, but really in Carson City in front of nobody. But people a, want them to move too. Exactly. So <laughs> you know, is this a it's a bad. This used to be one of the, the better games in the AFC West with the Chargers. I think all things would change if the Raiders go back to Oakland, find a way to pl- play in Oakland, and the Chargers go back to the dark blue helmets, the Seattle uniforms. They do that. Then both teams go back to it. <laughs> you don't love the powder blues? I think people like the idea of the powder blues, but you've seen them constantly. Um, I kind of want the old other uniforms back when they. That's from when like the, the defense. From like the Gates era. The Gates, yeah, the Gates, yeah. the Leslie O'Neills, the Seals. That's when you know Tomlinson's early part of his career. Yeah. That's when the Chargers were fear. Right now, nobody fears the Chargers. Only team that should go back to lighter uniforms is Tampa Bay. True. True. Go back to the creamsicle. Uh, yeah, I mean, like you said, the Chargers, you said you've never seen them a team that wanted to lose more against Minnesota. It seems that's been the case for every single game that the Chargers have played this season. Now, this should be, I don't want to say it's going to, should be an easy one for the Raiders, but you know that the Chargers are going to try to give it to them every which way. The Chargers three weeks ago were, were what, four wins and four and eight, and they were at a plus three win, um, uh, <laughs> score differential. <laughs> Then they go and win 45 to 10, and you're like, all right, finally, they opened it up, right? Then they lose 39 to 10, and they're right back to that middling thing. Like, they just can't put it together. Um, but because of that logic, and they didn't put it together last week, you got to expect a good game this week. Yeah, and then they'll get crushed <laughs> in week 17. Of course. On to the next one Jaguars taking on the Falcons. Jags are very much in neutral. Atlanta, though, as we said, they've played inspired ball. They are playing for their coach, uh, who should not be on the hot seat. Both teams are 5 and 9. Huge game for Atlanta to get a big win at home. Yeah, it's a, it could be a huge opportunity for them, but also a huge opportunity for Jacksonville, who showed some fight coming back and, and getting that win against the Oakland Raiders. So shout out to Gardner Minshew doing his magic like he did, with you know, which made him a, a league favorite early on in the season, doing it again against the Oakland Raiders, getting that win. He closed out that uh, stadium with a win. So I think this will be a very competitive game. I'm actually excited to see how this one plays. I'll be watching this one closely. Yeah, we talked about how Quinn should be off the hot seat, but I think that the Falcons definitely have to keep it up because if if they revert back and drop the next two games, the hot seat talk can continue. So this is a huge one for the Falcons. Interesting game for the Falcons offense. Um, This is a Jaguars defense who's been gashed by the run this year. This is a chance for Devontae Freeman to get back onto what got him that paycheck a couple years ago and get a big game here. On to the next one here at First Energy Stadium in Cleveland. The Browns taking on the Ravens. Ravens are doing what the Browns thought they would be doing this year and just haven't done it. This is the really the last 
big hurdle for to make sure that Baltimore gets through with a full healthy squad going into the postseason. Right, and this is a, a great opportunity for a revenge game. We saw the Ravens play tight in uh, the first meeting. This is a completely different team. Now, defensively, they're much better. Offensively, they're much better. Um, and the Browns are still dangerous, in my opinion. They still have a threat to the Ravens because of what they bring to the table. But with a better defense, this, should, this is going to be interesting to see how the Ravens play this, um, if they play this to, to win or play this to get ahead and then start to pull starters and put backups in. But they do need to win this game uh, in order to continue to try to secure home field advantage. So we'll see. But the Browns have to come out realizing, hey, hey, we beat this team early in the year. Let's try to do the same thing to close out the season positively. Yeah, AFC North matchup, you know that they are always tight regardless. Um, the Browns, like you said, the Browns won it early in this earlier in the year. Ravens are going to look to come out the gate firing on all cylinders to just jump on them on top. I do see that happening, and I do see them pulling out their, their starters. So you do not want to risk any type of injury right now when postseason is just about to start. Yeah, Ravens defense has definitely improved from that game, but this is a team that you could still run on if you get the chance. The reason why teams aren't running as much is because the offense has been just blowing it up now. Um, but this is a game where the Browns and Nick Chubb ran for over 160-plus yards and three touchdowns. Now you got Kareem Hunt as well. This is going to be a game where you should expect at least 35 to 40 touches between the two running backs. On to Indianapolis, the Colts taking on the Panthers. Both of these teams, middle of the season, we thought, okay, this is, these are two teams that might be playoff contenders. It has not turned out to be the case. Colts have really very much slipped. The Panthers have fallen even further back. Although Christian McCaffrey is still tearing it up, Colts will have to find a way to stop him this week. Yeah, they'll have to find a way, and they'll also have to find a way to get points on the board. Man, we got to worry about this Colts offense. We were all on the Jacoby Brissett train, but it has quietly come to a halt, and they're trying to you know, play to uh, – if Jacoby Brissett is trying to play to keep his job as far as the starting quarterback and try to force Indianapolis to not draft someone in the first round. So – Big game for everybody involved. We may even see another quarterback in this one for Carolina. Yeah, the Colts, the Colts need this one all, all across the board because, I mean, like you said, they fell off, and they fell off fast from any type of contention. Um, Kyle Allen, can he go another game? with? Can he go a game without turning the ball over? Yeah, this is a game where Carolina hasn't looked good. Kyle, Kyle Allen hasn't looked good early on in games, but they have been fighting. They have been keeping themselves in the games to make them games. Even this last week with Seattle, you thought the game was over at the half, and they ended up just pulling by by six points. Uh, the Colts are going to have to find that type of offense in order to do this because Carolina, you know, can surge here in the second half. A game that pretty much is just a game for pride at this point, Cincinnati taking on Miami. This might be the best chance for the Bengals to get that one out of the win column and make it a two but the Dolphins have looked a little bit better the last couple weeks. Yeah, they have looked better. They play competitively, but there are some limitations. So it'll be about how they overcome those limitations um, in this ball game. Because, again, yeah, you can play all hard all you want. But same thing with the Bengals. Individually, there's some talent perimeter-wise uh, in the backfield. We'll, we'll find out. But I think this game will be probably – more entertaining than what people are expecting it to be. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, the Bengals have – they can put up points. They, Like you said, they have a lot of talent. Boyd is one of the better receivers in this league. Um, and the Dolphins, we know what they can do. They've been lighting it up the past few the past few weeks, albeit on losing efforts. But I do see there being a good amount of points in this game. Yeah, there's going to be a number of receivers took out for you, say Boyd. And the way Devontae Parker has come on this year – the way Adam Gase had it the last couple of years, they were ready to release him and, and cut ties with this guy. And now – uh, this year, he's really come on the scene with Fitzpatrick. So looking for 
these receivers to have a big game because you can see definitely the ball being air, uh, thrown out here. Had to throw the Gase jab. Speaking <laughs> of Adam Gase. I'm just Gase, speaking facts, man. Speaking <laughs> of Adam Gase and the Jets, they will be home this week taking on the Pittsburgh Steelers. Uh, Pittsburgh still 8-6. and six. There's still an outside shot that they're a playoff team. The Jets, again, showed a lot of good things against Baltimore on Thursday night. Now can they translate it with some defense? I thought between Carson Wentz's throw in the end zone, legitimately, if that dude didn't catch the ball, it probably would have evaporated his neck because that ball was screaming hard toward his throat. He stopped it yeah. more than he caught it. And Sam Darnold with the – you couldn't throw a more accurate pass. I thought they had the two best throws yeah. of the weekend. Um but you're right. Here's an opportunity for the Jets to, to put together a great performance against a very good team. So a gut check. This is a statement game. Here's an opportunity to get a win at home uh, against a team that you feel as though you can you can win against. Where do where do you stand in a, this pecking order of the NFL? So I'm interested to learn a lot about uh, the Jets in this game, and interested to see how a guy like Duck Hodges responds to a bit of adversity. Still in the thunder again. Yeah. Um, <laughs> which Jets team is going to show up? You know, is it going to be the Jets team that can go out there and route the Cowboys, or is it going to be the Jets team that can go out there and lose to the Browns for the first time? Ah, I meant the Dolphins the Bengals. for the first time. Oh, I, I meant the Bengals <laughs> <laughs> for the first time. You know, you, you don't know, but which Duck Hodges is going to show up as well? I look for him to bounce back big after that four turnover game. The matchup I like in this game, uh, Greg Williams versus Devlin Hodges. I think Greg Williams will, will dial up a defense that'll that'll really keep Devlin Hodges off his, on his toes, especially coming off a bad week. May, you'll see the mental check of this kid. Uh, the matchup I don't like, Adam Gase versus Mike Tomlin. I think it's going to be uh, – it's going to take a complete football game for the Jets to ha have a shot in this one, uh, even if the Greg Williams defense does step up against the rookie quarterback. But – um, if Adam Gase and company can't do enough offensively, then this could be this could turn into one of those games where the defense is scoring three touchdowns for the Steelers. The Adam Gase axe train led by Alex Marinoni. Next on to Nashville, the Titans lost a critical game at home. Now they have an even bigger game at home this week. They take on New Orleans. Massive game for the Saints to try to get home field. Titans need to win this game or it's all but over. Yeah, and the, the sad part is this game is sandwiched in between another matchup with the Texans, so they can't even overlook this game in hopes to yeah. get the Texans once again. They have to win this game. Defensively, I think they match up really well versus New Orleans, but we'll learn a lot about uh, their offense against the Saints defense that isn't the best this season despite the smokes, smoke and mirrors that we see from them on game day. Yeah, I think this is one of the better matchups of the week because you got this red-hot Titans team who are coming off of a tough loss against the divisional matchup in Houston, but you got the Saints team who are arguably the best team in the league. I mean, sitting at 10-3, and three, they're one of the best records in the league. Um, this could be a huge test for the Titans. If they can pull this one out, if they can pull this one out, I think it can catapult them into the playoffs. Yeah, I like what Mike Vrabel has been doing with this team all year. This is a team that we looked at as like the third team, possibly the fourth team in that AFC South, and what should have been a close AFC South. They've really taken the reins, and had they made that quarterback decision earlier, you don't know if this team would be leading the division right now, but this is going to be a big, big test. We saw that they could stand with Houston's best. Now you get a chance to see if they can stand with one of the NFC's best. And shout-out to Teron Davenport, who does a fantastic job in covering the Tennessee Titans for ESPN Nashville. Good friend of the show. Check out his Talking with TD podcast. Absolutely. Check that one out for sure. But and check out the Football Game Plan podcast while you're there. And subscribe yeah, to it yeah, so you don't miss yeah. any content. But TD's our guy. 
Yes. He's our guy. Meanwhile, the Giants now get to play The Price is Right. Here's what you could have won behind door number two. <laughs> Dwayne Haskins and the Washington Redskins are their hosts for this weekend. Nice. If Washington wins this game, will Giants fans be up in arms to the point where they're showing a uh, one-finger salute to Dave Gettleman? The nope. sound you hear is the tightening of anuses around the New York area. <laughs> because to hear his thing. Please don't win. If you, if you look at what Dwayne Haskins has done uh, against – common opponents they played tough against green bay giants got blown out i'm talking about daniel jones led giants got blown out yes eli manning's led eagles played the same way with dwayne haskins in the redskins uh you saw what happened against um what's the team that they i forgot the the game they won detroit detroit yeah daniel jones led giants lost to detroit well so here's an opportunity for (laughs) dwayne haskins if Giants fans around the area are hoping that this guy goes out and throws seven interceptions, I hope uh, Daniel Jones gets to start because I want to see these two young quarterbacks yeah. play for decade a decade plus in this market because that's what we've missed in this division. Uh, consistent quarterback play from Giants, Redskins, uh, Dallas, and Philly. So you, you kind of have – and they're all young. Yeah. So that's what you yeah. want to see. You hope Jones plays well in this game, but you also hope Haskins plays well. I hope this is like one of these uh, Drew Bledsoe, Dan Marino-type games where he goes into overtime and both guys go off. Okay. So, (laughs) with all that being said, I'm not going to say all of it was nonsense, but that little uh, Redskins playing tougher – well, what happened was their defense <laughs> played a lot tougher. Haskins did not play good games in those. When you look at the weather Haskins pattern in the – did not play Alex, good games. Hey, their if defense. they had to fly across coast, man, that's a big <laughs> deal. <laughs> Time zone. <laughs> Listen, care who you are. You have to wake up at 1 o'clock, man. Man, man. that James Betcher-led defense is n- <laughs> was nothing compared to what Washington has improved over the past few weeks. But as a Giants fan, please lose. So that we could get Chase Young. That's if oh, they decide wow. to take Chase Young. That's a real a fan. Guard. That's a real fan right there. Anyway, Alex, man, I just I'm looking at the running game because everyone's looking at the quarter. No, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's a good point though. Yeah, that is the, a good point. The though, running game also was, came on fire with AP. Meanwhile, staying in that division, the uh, the NFC least, as my father likes to call it, Cowboys, <laughs> Eagles, the biggest game of the season. By far, both teams are coming in off a win. Cowboys looked very convincing in theirs. Eagles, not so much in their victory over Washington. But this will decide a playoff berth. Dak Prescott has 26 touchdowns, 11 interceptions, 4,300 yards passing, 65% completion percentage, 8.4 yards in attempt, 8.4 yards adjusted yards per attempt, 300 yards a game, 99.3 yards. He's averaging uh, a rating, passer rating, and also has contributed with Three rushing touchdowns. So you're saying there's no chance for the Eagles to win? No, there there is. But <laughs> Carson Wentz's performances the last two games, if he starts the game the way he finishes the last two, this game will be a lot closer than what people think. But I think we're in – because of what's at stake, I think we're in for a classic between these two. Troy, you you hoping for an asteroid to hit the stadium? Is that what you're looking for at this point? No, I'm, I'm hoping for a good game. Um, I a mean, tie. over the past <laughs> – this entire season, it seems, the Cowboys have tried to give the Eagles division the division on a silver platter. But the Eagles just would always tip that silver platter over and let it hit the floor. They don't want it. 
So it's going to be interesting in this one what's going to happen. Is it going to be a competitive game, or is it going to be the Cowboys stepping up like they did last week in a route over the Rams? There's a good chance that the way this game ends, people are going to realize why Jason Garrett still has his job is because he takes care of the division. 4-0 already this year, and right now it's going to be division wins that get you into the playoffs because none of these teams in this division won any games outside of the postseason, uh, outside of the of the NFC East. So it's who takes care of the division at first. And right now there's nobody better coaching-wise in the division than Jason Garrett doing that. Let's quickly get to the last three games here. Cardinals taking on the Seahawks. Cardinals certainly showing a lot of promise. Seattle now, though, in control of their own destiny again in their division to try to take home the crown. Cardinals have been an enigma all season long. They've gone through three – it's almost like their baseball team. It's like three-game series. You know, yeah. these three games look terrible. These three games they look great, and they're back to average. So we'll see which Cardinals team shows up in this ballgame. But I like how they're closing out the season. In Seattle, this is a game that could give them a potential problem uh, because of how the Cardinals play. They play just like Seattle. They go out there with maybe like four plays, and once those four plays are done, it's all like, hey, quarterback, make something happen. So Listen up. A Seattle. <laughs> Russell Wilson <laughs> is playing for the number one seed now. I'm taking I'm riding Seattle all the way because I love me some Russell Wilson. This is gonna be a good game, like you said, because Kyler Murray is balling out potential offensive rookie of the year. But regardless, the Seahawks are have way more to play for in this one. One thing you got to say about Kyler Murray is he steps up against the, this, uh, these division games, and he's been stepping up against good opponents twice against San Francisco, has played well in, against the rest of the teams in this division. This is a great chance for him to stack two games together and this whole team to stack two games together and show that they are somebody you need to talk about if you, uh, if the years go on with this, young, with this young core. Some breaking news before we get to the final two games in the schedule. According to Ian Rappaport on Twitter, the Panthers are expected, have not announced it officially yet, but are expected to start Will Greer. On Sunday, does he have a blue Colts. check? In Rappaport, bro. Like, hello. In Rappaport, got a blue check. <laughs> you know what I'm saying, but like oh, sometimes does, he's does got that, a triple that blue that check. Yeah, exactly. Because it's always there's always like a because there's always like a guy that has the one letter replaced yeah. and doesn't have the blue check, and people Man. constantly retweet it. But or they underscore no faith, right. yeah. no faith whatsoever. Moving you, on to, no, you already listen. You, moving on to Sunday last night. Week, last moving week, on to Sunday <laughs> night. The Bucks the, official the Chiefs. The Chiefs taking on the Bears on Sunday Night Football. The Bears had 7-7. Seven and seven. They should, probably should have beaten the Packers last week. The Chiefs might get out of the snow. We don't know. It might be snowing up there still in Chicago. But huge win game for the Chiefs if they want to have momentum going into the postseason. Yeah, it's, I mean, I feel bad for Chicago. You know, I know it was funny. Yesterday at the, at the Giants game, somebody asked me, they were sitting next to me, uh, good friend Chris, who covers the Giants as well, was like, "Yo, why, I'm not watching the game because I usually have all the games up on my laptop, the Sunday ticket, while I'm at the game. So I'm kind of keeping an eye on everything." He was like, "Hey, why is Khalil Mack trending?" I was like, "I don't let me see. He's, I thought you, you know, you, I know you're watching the game, so I'm looking them." The only reason why Khalil Mack was trending because people was like, "Why hasn't Khalil Mack showed up on a stat sheet yet?" <laughs> and it's like, I was like, "Wow, they going at the Khalil Mack now." So there's a lot going on in Chicago. We'll see if he shows up in this game against Kansas City, but. Trubisky has to show up. That's the biggest thing. That's Yeah. I mean, former first-round pick, second overall pick, and was it worth it at this point? 
who knows. Um, this is going to be a tough one for the Bears. It's the Kansas City Chiefs. We know how high-flying that offense can be. And like I keep saying, postseason is right around the corner, and everybody has to be on full tilt. So it's going to be a tough one for the Bears. And if they're going to have any shot in this one, Khalil Mack is going to have to get to Mahomes multiple times. Yeah, seeing former Jet brush the screen getting beat a couple of times last uh, last week, um, you could see that by Khalil Mack and company not really getting to the quarterback. Akeem Hicks came back, and they were, still weren't able to get to the quarterback like they're used to, and uh, it's putting pressure on this secondary. You're going up against the Legion of Zoom and Patrick Mahomes, the guy you should have drafted, and you are just <laughs> going to – it could be really ugly in Ooh. Chicago if, if those guys that we were just talking about don't get to the oh, quarterback. Oh, and it's a prime time so in Chicago. So oh. many daggers in this room right now. Yikes. This is unbelievable. Moving to Monday night really quick. In division game and another one with massive implications. Packers, Vikings, Minnesota gets the home game. If they win this one, they might very well control their own destiny. You know, shout out to Green Bay and the Packer fans and Packer Nation. They do a great job of supporting their team. They're just excellent in what they do and, and how well they uh, are one of the NFL staples. But, my God, the Packers games be boring as hell, right? Like, <laughs> like, yeah. I don't know if it's the uniforms or no. what, but it's like, oh, my. They're but, classic. Yeah, but great, great fans out there at Green Bay. Love Green Bay. Um, but, yeah, this is going to be a huge game for Minnesota. I thought they made a statement last week against Los Angeles. Let's see if they can make another statement here. This is probably one of the bigger statements they can make in the season. Yeah, I don't know how much of a statement last week was because it's Los Angeles. You know, they give away. They make they, it exciting. They give away everything. Right. They do. Um, but one of the reasons why the Packers games are so boring is because they've gotten away from just constantly airing it out, the high-flying Packers offense. What they seem to be doing is just enough to get the wins nowadays. But that's not going to be enough in this one. Not with that stout Minnesota defense. And we know all the weapons that they have um, through the air as well. It's going to be a great divisional matchup. And the winner of this game will win the division. This could be a big moment for Kirk Cousins. He got his primetime win this year. He's been able to put consistent games against good teams back-to-back and stack those up. Uh, this is a big moment against a division rival who you could, you have a chance here to control your own destiny if you win this game. You're at home. Um, this could be a huge moment for his uh, for his career. His legacy. I will say this. It's Minnesota in prime time. There's a certain player that does not like competing in prime time. But does he have a defense, according to Troy? Because it's that, always that's, about that's the defense only, when you talk the about quarterback. Uh, here we go. I'm going to end this before you guys get into a fight here on air. That'll do it for the NFL All-32 podcast. Week 16 preview. Two weeks left in the regular season. Every game is huge, and there's still a lot of question marks of who's even getting into the playoffs. Never mind who's got home field. For David Hassigan, the czar of the playbook, Emory Hunt, Troy Anthony, and Alex Marinoni, thanks for listening in, and we'll see you next week.